Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King, and I have such a special treat in store today. My special guest is coming all the way from across the ocean, and so I cannot wait for you to listen and learn from my sweet guest, Carrie Campbell. But before we get started, I want to give a special thanks to our official sponsors, the CSB Bible. Go check them out. They've got so many different options for you to be able to dig into the word and to be challenged, maybe even to gift a special Bible to a friend or other woman in ministry. So go check them out, csbible.com. All right, here we go. Carrie, welcome to the show. I am so excited that you're with us today. Thank you so much for having me. What a joy to be here. All right. Why don't you tell everybody, where are you at right now? I am in Berlin, Germany. What's the weather like? It's horrible. It's, um, <laughs> it's cloudy and rainy and about 45 degrees. 45 degrees and rainy. Yeah, that's not very fun. But you've no. got to have some cute rain boots, right? I hear it's I been raining a lot there. I do. I do have cute rain boots. And we were talking before we started recording that you don't have closets. Is that a Germany thing or just your flat thing? Like what happened to the closets in Germany? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a European thing. They have <laughs> these armoires, these wardrobes, you know, I think Chronicles of Narnia. Um, we don't have closets here. <laughs> Which is making it pretty difficult with five people in your family and where to put all the clothes and how to store everything. That's right. The season change is tricky. Well, tell us a little bit about you growing up and even your family now. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned my name is Carrie Campbell. I'm married to um, the amazing David Campbell. We have three kids, Emma, who is 15, Jacob, who's 14, and Ben, he's 10. Um, We have lived here in Germany for five years. I had never lived outside of Texas before we moved to Germany. Um, I grew up in the Hearst Euless Bedford area. Grew up going to First Baptist Euless. Uh, met Jesus when I was 12, the summer before um, my seventh grade year. And really, honestly, from an early age, man, I just, um, I just knew that I would live somewhere outside of the United States for Jesus. Very cool. So tell me a little bit, like, how did that start to, um, I really think like kind of present itself, even as a little girl, as a seventh grader, obviously that's a really big, um, time in a young girl's life. So how did you see that kind of coming to fruition in your life? How did that start? So I do not come from a Christian home. Um, no one in my family that, uh, that I knew of would call themselves a Christian. And one day we had a missionary visit our church from Romania and he worked in orphanages and he just shared um, sort of, you know, what, what they do. They care for the orphans. They teach them about Jesus. They give them um, education and food and housing and everything that, you know, that they that this mission organization did in Romania. And my heart was just truly stirred as a 12-year-old. And I came home to my, I remember talking to my mom about wanting to just go to Romania and just hold babies. 
and um, you know it was really that to me just sounded like the dream as a 12 year old you know and my mom didn't really understand at that point what that meant or what that would look like but I think the Lord just really started putting uh, preparing my heart maybe at that age for the United States just may not be the place that I live for all of my life and serve him all of my life in Texas or the U.S. I um, have always felt pretty comfortable with the idea of moving overseas. And that's usually one of the biggest hurdles, I think, for a lot of people and a lot of women as they're trying to kind of wrestle through this idea of, is God calling me somewhere else besides home? So that's obviously, um, even from the beginning of God kind of knitting your story and mapping it out that that wasn't so much of a wrestle. So that's so interesting. But what I'm curious about, obviously that was 12 and then, um, you know, you grow up, you do college, you, you find a husband and a career path and you've only been in Germany for the last five years. So obviously there was a little bit of a, of a growing season, I guess, and even maybe just kind of wrestling through like, what does this look like? When am I going to go? So talk to me a little bit about, I guess you just in young adulthood, you was, you're starting your family and stuff like that. And in the meantime, knowing God had birthed within you this passion to be overseas and not be here. So what did that look like? Yeah, so I met my husband. He is a strong believer. Um, We met at church, and um, we actually met. Our first date was September 27th. 2001. So that was shortly after the big September 11th Mm. um, tragedy that happened in the U.S. And um, we started dating and I was going on a mission trip to Brazil with our church. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear around that time, fear with traveling, fear with um, going to a different country and whatnot. And the Lord just really, I mean, fanned that fire that was within me um, just brighter and stronger in my time in Brazil. And I came home and my husband's name is David and David was like, what if, because we had already been talking about getting married and he said, what if the Lord is calling us, you know, to live in a different country? What, what would we do? And I was like, we would pack up and go. I mean, I had just (laughs) been on a mission trip, you know, and, and I was on that high, but it was a high that was really lasting. It was sustainable. I could see, and he had never been on a mission trip before. So when we talk about me having this, um, totally being okay and at peace with living overseas. Um, And then you saying that's part of the wrestle that a lot of people have to get through whenever the Lord's calling them somewhere else. It kind of went into our marriage whenever we got married um, because he, there was a point when we knew that we were going to move. We knew that the Lord was asking us to do something. We just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And we actually got uh, pregnant with our first child on our honeymoon. And um, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, we didn't know that that could happen, but it did. And so, so we got married in August, and Emma was born the next June. And the funny thing is, we, we just really laugh at it now. We just didn't think that people had babies in other countries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were like, well, we can't go now because we have this newborn. And then um, Emma turned one and we got pregnant with our second child. And of course, you don't move overseas because you don't have babies in other countries. I don't know why. It was the funniest <laughs> thing. We were just like totally um, ignorant to that. And life struggles as far as like we just really knew um, there was something 
more. Um, both of us really love Jesus. We're incredibly involved in our church. Um, David had a successful job. I was um, a surgical assistant with for retinal surgeons. And then whenever I had kids, I stayed home with them, homeschooled our kids. Um, we had a really established thing going. Mm. Um, we did have a really strange miscarriage of twins in, um, I guess it was 2007, uh, and and kind of walked through that, you know, and, and it just seemed like there were different things that were putting us on hold for, um, for moving overseas. And I kind of termed this, this season of our life as like a sitting in the call. Like we really felt called, hmm, but we I weren't, we weren't really walking in that calling. We were just kind of sitting in it. We both knew that um, that we would be doing something different. We both kind of felt that angst in our hearts. So like, there's something more. There's something more. But um, what is it? You know, and, and even our church, we were super involved at our church. And so our pastors and our elders were like, maybe you guys should plant a church in the U.S. And for us, that just didn't sit well. It wasn't It wasn't what we we didn't have peace about it. We're not against it, but we didn't have peace about it. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2008, we had Ben, which is our third child. And there was a real settledness in our hearts about taking some action, you know, like taking action in this in this call to, to go somewhere. We didn't even know where we were going to go. And um, both David and I had um, kind of revelation from the Lord from the same Bible verse and we did not we weren't on the same bible reading plan or anything i don't it was only the lord that did this for us but i was reading through taking in the story of abram before he was abraham and how god told him to get up and go to a place that he would show him and abram at that time followed many gods he was not you know he wasn't just following the one true god Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and he got up (laughs) he got up and he went and i was just thinking man as a jesus follower my obedience has to be so much quicker than abram's and so i I remember coming downstairs and talking to david about this and he was like i was in the same story and it hit me the same way so from that moment on we started taking a little bit you know, these little baby steps toward trying to figure out, God, where is it? Where are you calling us? Where are you leading us? So talk to me a little bit about as you're taking these steps, obviously a big part, especially being Southern Baptist and um, kind of deciding, all right, we're doing this, we're going, we're going to obey, is not only the convention, but also your sending church. So talk to me a little bit about what that looked like as the church really started to champion you and push you forward as you were starting to obey this call to head overseas what did that look like yeah at that time i'm trying to remember um what year that would have been but at that time we didn't really have a super strong missions program or like missions ministry at our church but we were like i mentioned before we were in like we've been at um at this church since Emma was in a carrier and she turned 16 um, this June. So um, we had been there for a long time and we were involved in everything from premarital mentoring to, um, you know, preschool ministry. Um, So we knew our pastors, we know our elders, we knew people in different ministry circles at the church and everyone was 
when we shared with them that we really felt like the Lord was calling us to go overseas, no one was surprised by it. No one was. Uh, no one was like, "What?" You know, the Campbells want to move overseas. No one was surprised by um, by that information. In fact, we were so we kind of likened it to like pregnancy. Like everyone was so excited. There were these different phases of our steps coming here to Germany that really like mirrored pregnancy, which is really fun. But um, I think that when we talk about how they championed us, they, you know, they, of course, recommended some books. We had read all of them, or at least David had read all of them. Um, And then, you know, maybe they were like, okay, well, usually um, you would need to be involved in these ministries. Well, we were already involved in those ministries. And so it was just, it was so obvious to all of us that the Lord's hand was on this and mm-hmm. that they really wanted um, wanted to encourage and support us. They have been phenomenal at that. One of the things that they did suggest um, was a cross-cultural training, and, and so we did that. So you now are obviously in Berlin, right? Like you are doing ministry. You did the leap. You did the call. Looking back on those first couple, um, probably months, maybe even year, uh, what was the hardest thing transitioning over? Especially even, like you said, you just went through this training. Like you kind of knew cognitively what to expect um, leaving home and leaving mm-hmm. your church and just that support system and stuff. So what were some of those hard kind of nights that maybe, I don't know, did you doubt? Like, did you think, what have we done? Um, Or did it always end up just being very confirming and you just taking the small steps of faith as you saw God just kind of unfold out this plan? Yeah. I mean, once we moved here, so I, I mentioned I homeschooled our kids when we were in Texas. And one of the things that we wondered, oh, have we made, have we done the wrong thing? You know, is Berlin really the place? Because in Germany, homeschooling is illegal. And we really felt like that was something that God had asked us to do when we were in Texas. And he did. Um, but sometimes it's only for a season. And that was the case for our family. So coming here as a mom, I mean, those I had these, these I think, not doubts, but I think it would have been, um, I think it would be fears that, you know, are we doing the right things for our our kids, you know, this is a call that David and I feel strongly about, but we're bringing along three other human beings with yeah, us, you yeah. know. And so, um, so our kids did end up going to a public school here, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and they have their own mission field at their school, and it's amazing. So mm-hmm. the Lord, the Lord actually really does love my kids, you know. And <laughs> I, I came to daily kind of reminders for my heart that he really does love them. He really does have them. They do have hard days. Our kids, we we talk about the fact that our kids were of an age where they were deeply rooted in relationship with family and friends and neighborhood and school and church. And we uprooted them and we came to a different country where we didn't know anyone and they had to like wrestle through that themselves. But the sweet thing that I can say today, five years later, is when the Bible talks about a cost of following Jesus, my kids understand what that means. You know, Mm -hmm. my kids understand that, um, 
there really is a cost. We talked to them. There would be homesick nights, you know, and and or I would just flippantly say how much I miss Target or how much I miss just going to the grocery store and pulling into my garage, closing the garage door and going inside, you know, mm-hmm. instead of having to walk in the rain two blocks to get home, only to walk up 75 stairs to get to our, you know, apartment door or whatever with my groceries. Um, so like, I think that for me, those fears turned into like our sweetest blessings later because I, you know, whenever, and not that there was anything wrong with what we were doing in Texas, but I'm just saying my kids didn't understand what it meant when they read the Bible or heard other people talk about this cost of following Jesus. They didn't understand it at the level that they do now. And I would so echo, I think that there is a lot, even as parents and and women in ministry, that you try to shield your children from um, and that you doubt and you second guess. And after that, and just giving it to the Lord and seeing your kids be missionaries like they are on mission as well and it's not just you and David making that decision and it's not only even y'all's example to them but then just being able to see how the Lord uses our kids is I think for me um, one of the most challenging um, you know gut checks in a lot of ways to where they're they're so much braver a lot of times right they are <laughs> and they're so resilient you know we do not this is this is kind of silly but we don't we don't use bad words in our home but here in germany they don't edit their lyrics with music Hmm. and we don't have christian radio stations here okay so even something as simple as that i'm like wow we can't even listen to the radio in the car (laughs) you know because i don't want my kids hearing these things but our kids have heard their friends say say words and their friends understand my children don't speak that way and our kids are very clear about the reason why they don't speak that way you know, mm-hmm. so there, um, even Ben, when he was five, because most of the children in his class are from Germany. And so English is their second language. German is their first language. So words that we wouldn't use in English, they're just silly little words to them because it's it's the second language that these little German kids are speaking. And, and they're bad words, you mm-hmm. know, but Ben actually says if a friend comes over and they're playing and a friend says a a curse word, Ben will say, oh, we don't say that in this home. And it's really, we've watched him take these little stands throughout. He was five when we moved here um, and he's super bold. And we've watched him even when he was five years old say, oh, we don't use that word in this home. And I never told him that he had to do that. He just knows we Mm. don't use that word in this home, you know, so it's really sweet. So cool. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and hear, like, what is God doing in Berlin, Germany? Like, what have you seen, especially five years in now? Like, you've been there a good while. What are you seeing God do there? And I know specifically we've talked about just the beautiful way that God brings the nations and just this refugee influx in Berlin. And so talk to me a little bit about that and just maybe even celebrate a lot of what God is doing and what you're seeing over in Berlin. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, in about uh, 2014, there was a refugee, what people call a refugee crisis. And Berlin actually took in a a lot of refugees from Syria, Afghanistan, um, Iraq, Iran, different countries. Um, 
at first these these uh, sweet sweet people were put into temporary places such as gyms that are like you know sport gyms that are connected to schools and um, we made a a ton of friends because we were picking up our kids from school and the gym was housing hundreds of refugees so we would just go over there and um, I mean honestly go over there and share the gospel I mean yeah. we we are pretty bold in our approach here we introduce ourselves hi I'm Carrie I follow Jesus um, we mostly minister to people who are Muslim and one of the things that we've learned is they absolutely value the first thing that comes out of your mouth hmm. and so I want my identity actually is in Jesus I really believe that in my whole heart and so I want that to be the first thing you know that I say whenever I meet somebody and it's um so what we what we did is we started going in and just meeting with people just hearing their stories um, the Lord has always presented to us a person of peace that knows our language and then the language of those around them which has been just a beautiful miracle and blessing and uh, there's needs Germany has done a really good job of meeting the physical needs of the refugees they have places to live they have clothes they have food they get to go to school and so we had to come to this, this point and in, um, in our hearts, we were like, okay, is Jesus enough? Because they have all this other stuff. So mm, yeah. this is why we came. This is why we came. This is why Berlin really is a mission field. Europe really is a mission field because they have a lot of other things. They just didn't have Jesus as their yeah. Savior. And um, as you can imagine, some of the stories that we heard were super traumatic. These people have um, come from war-torn countries and they have seen horrible things some children have seen their parents murdered in front of them and so we just walked them through the trauma shared the gospel with um i mean every person that we would encounter the the goal is to share the gospel with them and introduce them to jesus and so many people have come to know Jesus as Savior. We have baptized many people. We have actually lost count and stopped counting. Um, and the people, there are a church planting kind of model. At first it was starting that in their camps. Um, and then the sweet thing is they found um, apartments throughout the city. And, um, and so then they've started these little uh, house churches in their apartments. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I know that there's there, uh, there's so many stories. It's hard to even try to pick one that's that's um, the best because they're all amazing. They're all sure. God stories. One of the sweetest ones was a friend of ours um, from Syria. His name is Bossom. He came over with his brother, and they were young um, teenagers at the time. And their journey here was crazy. And uh, we sh we shared the gospel with him, with Bossom the first time we met him. And he had an aunt in Syria that is a Christian, and so he had kind of heard these ideas about Jesus and about what Jesus had done and he wasn't quite ready to follow Jesus and we're always okay with that because I cannot pinpoint in the scriptures exactly when the disciples started saying okay this is the right. Jesus is who he yeah. says he is yeah. you know so we're totally okay with that and um, I just remember David uh, sharing with with Bossom why Jesus had to die for our sins and Bossom was like oh this I get it for the first time I understand because he didn't understand like what does this death mean what is you know why did he have to die he didn't understand it and so after just months and months of walking with him 
we used him as a translator. So he would share the gospel himself just mm. through translation, yeah. which was really fun. Um, we love to use uh, translators that don't yet know Jesus as Savior because they hear the story so mm-hmm. so often. Yeah. Um, and then David and I had the honor of baptizing Blossom. And then about a year later, he was reunited with his parents. His parents um, had said goodbye to Blossom and his brother from Syria, and they knew they would never, you know, never see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are reunited, and now their whole family is following Jesus here wow. in Berlin. Yeah, that's amazing. It is amazing. Wow. It's beautiful. So I love just your boldness and how, and even just the truth. I I think I'm going to adopt this, like just my identity. I want the very first thing for you to know is that I love Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I love just that picture of meeting somebody for the very first time in the very first moment, and you obviously know just from the groundwork that they have a hard story that they've worked through just so much brokenness. What have you seen just as their response? I'm just curious, like, what is their face like whenever you say, um, you know, I love Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. What is their typical reaction um, as you kind of introduce and begin that conversation? Yeah, if you're talking about Muslims, they're not, they're not, um, they don't really have a surprised look on their face. They are typically very religious people. And so they're very used to having spiritual conversations. Mm-hmm. And I myself, and I think David says the same thing, we've never been um, kind of pushed away uh, because of saying that. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. they never they never want to stop the conversation because we say, hi, I'm Carrie, I follow Jesus. No one has ever pushed, pushed back on that. Do you see that maybe, um, especially coming from the South, you know, in America and stuff like that, and maybe even some of our stereotypes as Americans of just this divide between um, the Muslim faith and the Christian faith, like was any of that surprising whenever you got on the ground over there and you actually started interacting and loving and having conversations and hearing stories? Um, was there anything that was really very different than what you had expected it to be? Yes, absolutely. So when we were in Texas, I didn't have, I didn't know anyone who was Muslim and I actually didn't have a heart for Muslims because what I knew of them, I saw on TV and I was afraid of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so when the Lord kind of started putting it on David's heart first, Europe and, and Islam, I was just like, no, no, I think missions is um, orphanages and kids because I feel really strong and comfortable in that area, you know? Yeah. And I remember, we talked about closets, I remember being in my closet in Texas crying on the floor because I did not feel comfortable. Um, I didn't feel comfortable ministering to Muslims, but I never had yeah. ministered to a Muslim. And so I was like, Lord, I just um I just thought that saying yes to missions meant that, you know, I could share the gospel with children, with orphans and um and I thought it would look like this. And I just so clearly had um the impression that God was like, these are orphans. These are orphans that Hmm. do not know me as their father. And I love them so much. And so in my mind, I just remember that encounter with the Lord. 
I kind of switched from viewing people as Muslim or Christian or Buddhist or Hindu or whatever um, and started seeing people as as people made in the image of God. So right. I minister a lot to Muslim men. Um, I, you know, six or seven years ago, the, I, don't, I think if I would have told you I was going to say that, I would have been so surprised, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I was afraid, but I also was kind of ignorant. I just didn't know. Um, and so I would say that my life before being here, I was I absolutely had a stereotype of what I thought Muslims were, how they would respond. You know, can a woman speak to a Muslim man? And, you know, all these things that we hear. Um, we do live in a free country here in Germany. Um, so men are allowed by law to speak to women, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's a very unique um, opportunity, even for them, coming from closed countries into an open country, they get to meet Christians sometimes for the first time who actually really follow Jesus and who actually really do love them despite what they believe. Do you know what I mean? And so I think for them, what we've learned too is it goes both ways. I think they're surprised that we're loving and we're kind and we're not, you know, throwing the Bible at their head and and just telling them to obey these rules and follow Jesus. But we, we, the fact, uh, some of them have said, we just can't believe that you would move, that you would, your whole family, you would just move them here so that you could tell people about this love of Jesus. And um, I, Again, I think it goes both ways. I think they're surprised to meet a Christian um, that is loving and and gentle and not really judgmental and, you know, those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. as well as we've had to repent for the ideas that we had about the Muslim people before we actually met one. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that's such a big challenge um, because obviously um, America has such a mod podge of people and backgrounds and just the challenge to see people as the image of God. That is exactly how they're created. And we kind of put all of these other different labels um, and barriers in between. And I love just the challenge for all of us that are listening just to really see people as spiritual orphans and that they are people made in the image of God that need to know the love and truth of Jesus. And so yes. um, so to kind of wrap up, because we're running out of time, I'm, I'm wanting to know what is your encouragement? especially to women um, that are maybe wrestling through, should I go? Like they have that calling that you feel that unsettledness, or maybe they're across the ocean and away from home and um, kind of wrestling through what it looks like to minister and do missions away and, and not in their, their typical you know, environment and stuff. So what would your encouragement be to these women? I think my encouragement would be um, if you're not doing it where you are, you probably won't do it in a different country, you know? So um, a lot of times as women, we get so busy with our kids and with our schedule and keeping our house clean and and trying to make a meal and that kind of thing. I think that, um, I think what I'm feeling right now, the encouragement would be is to kind of, even if you have to run to Target or you have to run to um, pick your kids up from school. One of the practices that I do here is when I see a stranger, um, I really, in a prayer kind of uh, mentality, ask the Lord, Lord, when you were knitting that person together in their mother's womb, what were your dreams for them? Mm-hmm. And when you have, when you're captivated with Jesus, it's really hard to talk about something else, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I just, um, 
like building that intimacy with Jesus is so important because when we, when again, when we're captivated with Jesus, it's hard to not talk about him. And so I would actually get out of the house. I think my encouragement would be to kind of get out, pack your kids up, bring them with you, um, find a ministry. There are so many local ministries. When we were in Texas, we we did one that um, we shared the gospel on the streets of Fort Worth. So I was wearing Ben as an infant and holding my two toddlers' hands on each side, ministering, sharing the gospel with homeless people. You can take your kids with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so I think that a lie from the enemy is to kind of believe that you can't and so what that would be my encouragement is to get out even if it means going to a safe place like Target or Barnes and Noble or someplace like that where you know you're going to interact strangers that you may not know if they love or follow Jesus and then just open your mouth Mm -hmm. and um and and if you're not captivated with Jesus just ask him I just think that it just pleases the father's heart when his people say you know what I, I don't I'm not captivated with you but I want to be and just ask the Lord to create that in your heart and then I promise you it's really hard to talk about other things whenever you're captivated by something yeah yeah I love that well Carrie thank you so much just for sharing your story for being really raw and just vulnerable about what it looked like to wrestle through that decision of going overseas and being obedient and I've just been so encouraged and challenged um, even just from your story of I need to go I need to follow him and so um, I hope you listeners that have uh, gotten to join us today at the table have just been so encouraged and maybe even just burst with that desire of, I want to be captivated by him. And so Carrie, if our listeners want to connect with you and learn more about your ministry in Berlin and how to support you, how do they connect with you online? They can connect um, via our website, which is www.prayforberlin.org. Or on is the four the-, the number four or F-O-R? F-O-R. Okay, so pray for F-O-R Berlin. And so you definitely want to connect with her. They have a newsletter link that you can connect with and get updates on what they're doing, how to pray, um, how to support. And so I just want to encourage you guys to connect with Carrie. I know you're going to be so encouraged to follow her story and her ministry there in Berlin. But thank you again, Carrie, for joining us. All right. You're welcome. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.